Hello and welcome to the Movie Bunker podcast. It's me, Chris, and today I'm delighted to be joined by a film critic and host of a YouTube channel, Roll Credits, uh, Adele Drover. Hi, Adele, and welcome to the bunker. Hi, Chris. Thanks for having me. I'm super, super excited. <laughs> Good. Uh, you've picked us a, a fantastic film today. Well, fantastic, bunny is. <laughs> <laughs> yes, fantastic. Absolutely. You know I have. I picked one especially uh, that starred a lot of Australian talent. Uh, I thought that would be a fun one to talk about. Oh, we'll get to that in a second. Let's not give the game away too too early, right? Um, so tell us a bit about yourself and, and what you've what you've been doing and your your YouTube YouTube channel specifically. It'd be great. Yeah, definitely. So roll credits. Uh, we are turning five years old this month, actually. Uh, so it's been five years since I have been on YouTube, and it has been quite a journey. Let me tell you, <laughs> YouTube is a is a funny old space to. Uh, post uh, movie reviews, but I I really love it, and it's got such a great community on there. And I find that video reviews and, and discussions and video essays are just yeah so so awesome, and I I love being a part of it all. Um, and I basically got started uh, because at the time I just was watching a lot of uh, video reviews myself, and just didn't quite see enough females sharing their their voice in the space, and thought. Uh, hang on a second. Uh, maybe I could, I could chime in and, and share what I have to say about movies. Um, I have a background in uh, writing and directing. I went to film school, and I currently work uh, in the production space uh, for a producer. So I am oh. well in the film industry, and yeah, I just absolutely am cinema obsessed. So, do you find yourself um, like critiquing films from from that kind of professional angle then, slightly differently? I, I definitely try to be aware of that more technical I suppose aspect Hmm. Um, and I do find that a very interesting kind of approach that I naturally I think come from. What films have stuck out for you in the last sort of 12 months or so? Has there been something that has really disappointed you that you've been really excited for looking forward to reviewing and then it didn't quite uh, hit with you? (laughs) Hmm, I would probably have to say Aquaman. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm not that I, I had the highest hopes for it. And I know a lot of people, uh, you know, you know, this whole Marvel versus DC, I'm not, I'm not into that uh, discussion at all. Mm. But uh, I do generally really enjoy the superhero movies. And Aquaman, I, I mean, I'm, I'm all about Jason Momoa. I'm, I'm here for mm. it. But I thought he was a lot of fun. But in the end, yeah, I just couldn't quite uh, switch off my brain enough to enjoy <laughs> <laughs> it's quite a, it's quite a big concept isn't it to deliver um it, it did divide critics as well i mean lots of people said it was it, quite an ambitious project and if you know if you do um like you say turn your brain off and enjoy it for what it is then you know, ultimately you might find it rewarding but again lots of critics or i guess other voices would just would have panned it straight away based on the fact that dc's just not got the, the track record has it yet yeah, true, true. And you know what, having just said that, turning my brain off, it's funny because the film that we're about to discuss very <laughs> shortly is all about uh, turning your brain off and just enjoying it for the big dumb action sort of spectacle that it is. So it's it's a bit, uh, I don't know how I can do that with some movies and not with others. Some movies, I, I love to switch switch off my brain and just, just enjoy the ride and mm. others I can't and I, I don't have an answer to why some is some and the other is the other. I think maybe to do is maybe your investment in the cast and maybe also if you've got a connection to like the franchise. So um, you know, a lot of the Marvel uh, cinematic uh, releases recently, well, since probably what, 10 years, they've all, get, the, 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 moment, the momentum's gained so much and, and we've, you know, you've, you've delved so deep in these characters. And if there is a, a film or a certain film that just doesn't have the spark or the flair, it's, so forgivable isn't it because you're already invested in that universe so for instance ant-man um and uh, another one that i can't quite remember think of straight away but they they're not as sparky do you know what i mean so you but you forgive Daddy them into the galaxy too i think yes, that's the one yeah. that yeah yeah that i forgive a lot of and then the first time i i kind of didn't love it but then i rewatched it the second time and then 
yeah, just turned my brain off a little bit less and, and had a good time. Yeah, I think these films ultimately, are they really for critics or are they for the mass audience? And that's where you've got to, I guess it's difficult to draw the line. These films have to be reviewed, um, but do the general public, are they really going to take on board what a critic says or says if, they, if they're going in full well knowing what they're going to get? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's isn't that the eternal eternal debate, critic <laughs> versus moviegoer, uh, yeah. which is you know quite silly because you know critics we we love the movies too and we're all about it. So it's it's just that constant ba- balance. Do you think there's more voices now, uh, d- different types of viewpoints on in terms of the film critic world? You know what? Uh, in the five years that I have been a part of uh, the critic community I've definitely seen uh an increase in diversity uh in the in the journalism space I really have Mm. Uh, and on YouTube as well I think there's a lot more female voices um and a lot more voices from diverse backgrounds coming through like it's very slow you know it's not Mm. something that's just happened overnight but I do feel that it's slowly coming about yeah I think um even in the last year since I've been doing the podcasting and sort of immersing myself in critics world or getting to know critics and hear different voices. I think I probably only knew about two or three a year ago that I would you know, listen to or regularly seek out you know, the big ones. And, and, but ever since, like I say, the podcast and branching out, there's so much more diverse opinions and thoughts on, on the movies, it's um, it's quite refreshing, very refreshing in terms of a palate cleanse across the board, really. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. And look, I think it's I think it's so important for different uh, people to review the exact same movie because you you know you can go in with your best friend and see a movie and, and walk out of it and both have completely different takeaways based on your own backgrounds and your own life experiences, and and that's the fun. That's where we get the movie culture from and the discussion. Mm. And that's kind of ultimately why we love movies. So I think it's really important for there to be, uh, um, you know, so many different uh, critics in the space and why they're yeah. all equally valid. <laughs> all of them are good. <laughs> <laughs> all of them are good. There you go. <laughs> but anyway, we know we're not here to talk about, you know, good films. Well, right, right. We're, we're here to talk about um, the critically panned films that, that, and not necessarily guilty pleasures, because I get told off for using that phrase, okay, because th- th- there should be no guilt involved. Oh, but, right? oh okay, okay. But every person I've interviewed on this podcast has said, you know what, I don't have guilty pleasure. I'm not guilty about ple- this film. I enjoy it for oh, what it is. So out loud and proud. Okay. Yeah, yeah, which I think is the right thing. We should be celebrating this sort of thing, your opinion. So, <laughs> but this, this film, tell me which film you've, you've chosen. I have selected for the movie bunker today Van Helsing from 2004. My life, my job, my curse is to vanquish evil. His name is Van Helsing. Some say you're a holy man, others say you're a murderer. Which is it? It's a bit of both. He has come to a forbidden land to battle enemies that are legend. Oh my god. This summer, evil has one name to fear. Hugh Jackman is... This movie <laughs> was, uh, was, I feel, critically panned. According to Rotten Tomatoes, it had an average score of about four out of ten uh, mm. from critics, but it made bank at the box office. So that just shows that the people did turn up to it yeah. uh, and had a good time. You know, it's a period horror film uh, written and directed by uh, Stephen Summers, who also did The Mummy, mm. which is another film I love, starring Brenda Fraser. Absolute classic. Uh, yes, it is. <laughs> and, it's good. Uh, 
He's so good, so good. And so uh, this film, Van Helsing, uh, stars uh, Hugh Jackman as uh, Van Helsing, you know, the monster hunter. Um, and it's also got Kate Beckinsale uh, as the love interest. There's Richard Roxburgh as Dracula. Um, mm. And uh, Van Helsing's sidekick is David Wedham. It's good cast, isn't it? I mean, you can tell they were obviously probably uh, attracted by the mummy and the, the films that he'd done previously because i think he did like gi joe if i'm right ever looking at his filmography. Yes. but i think that, that would have come a lot later than van helsing but quite a big cast and i think yeah based on the premise of this movie um there's no surprising really, it's no surprises that there are who's in it is in it you know hugh jackman is <laughs> massive box uh, box office draw kate beckinsale i mean i guess nowadays she's doing a little smaller films and a bit more indie based films, a bit more serious stuff. But uh, when this was released, she was doing quite big stuff, you know, and also big, that big fantasy genre she was doing underworld and things like that. Wasn't she? So the cast works to a, to a certain degree, but I think what they're given in terms of dialogue and, um, and script and things is it, it makes it, it kind of turns this film from like something quite serious into maybe a little bit more of a, um, and a, not a comedy, but a, like a, t- a very tongue-in-cheek camp kind of classic, isn't it? I think say? camp camp is the <laughs> perfect word for it. It's sort of like the lines are so uh, cheesy and so like, it. yeah, I think bordering on melodramatic, bordering on soapy almost. <laughs> Well, I watched it to refresh my memory uh, on Friday, uh, Friday night, just gone. And, um, but I'd seen it on the big screen. So I was one of those people that shelled out in the first place, 2004, to actually go and see it in the cinema, which I, and I know why. I think the trailer, when you see the trailer on, it, on its own, kind of plays on a bit more of a grittier, darker feel to it. And I think I was attracted by seeing this monster mashup of everything I, I kind of love from that kind of hammer horror type uh, genre, seeing it sort of reimagined and thrown at the screen. Um, yeah, definitely. <laughs> it, it really, you really kind of think, oh, I've got to go and see this. It looks awesome. And it's Hugh Jackman and Kate Beckinsale. But, um, exactly. Exactly. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> well, what do you think, um, what, what sticks out for you in terms of the like, highlights and, and what, what makes it a watchable film for you as opposed to something a bit corny? Well, I think, uh, and maybe this goes back to what we were saying before about um, why you're will- more willing to go into a movie and, and switch your brain off and kind of enjoy the ride, is that I do love uh, the fantasy genre, especially gothic horror. Uh, I do love all the, those original uh, universal monsters with the Frankenstein, Dracula, uh, werewolves, all that kind of stuff. So I think this uh, kind of genre is right up my alley. And uh, what sticks out for me in this film, I think it's just, it has to be Hugh Jackman just carrying it home all the way. Like he is so charismatic and just having such a good time. Like I Mm. buy his heroism uh, like 100%. I buy his hair. I mean, the hair. <laughs> and the hat. <laughs> the hair and the hat ensemble is, is marvellous. And also, for the very, I mean, for the first 15, 20 minutes, he's pulling the, the most blue steel of looks throughout. I mean, eventually he does kind of crack a different kind of facial expression, but he's blue stealing it all the way, isn't he? All the way, all the way. <laughs> <laughs> and he's doing a, like, just stand-up job of it so mm. i will say uh, as a whole like the movie is is you know cgi like seeping out of every orifice it's like so <laughs> cgi heavy it's crazy and and it's got this uh like bluey green um color grade just like mm. slapped on over the top you can you can barely sort of see through the mist misty haze of of blue green uh coloring <laughs> it's got a very uh, specific palette hasn't it um sure you, you can't mistake it for anything else um, and in terms of other other cast or cast members of note i would say the two other people that stick out for me would be David Wenham's the sidekick of Carl, who a funny name for a friar. <laughs> yes, exactly, Carl. <laughs> he is a strange character. I mean, I'm, he's got the best lines, no doubt. I mean, he, he comes out with all the little one-liners, and uh, he's the comedy aspect, isn't he? He's here to bring the, the laughs and the, the buffoonery. But he does a little the little cue thing of the James Bond nod as well as odd, isn't it? Yes, yes, uh, there certainly is. In fact, it's got a, li- a little James Bondy 
MI6 nod, especially at the beginning when they're at the, they're in, they go to the Vatican and they go underground and there's mm-hmm. this uh, huge, like, I don't know, all the inventions and all the, the cool gadgets and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, yeah. there's a, definitely a huge sort of Bond reference going on there. Yeah, so he's like uh, James Bond's Q and he's got the, you know, don't touch the pen or, you know, don't, uh, it's a flamethrower or a spike a spike machine or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And it's all that kind of, those tropes of those kind of movies, but with a, with a friar or a monk uh, doing it. <laughs> and it gives him yeah. this uh, fantastic uh, kind of silver arrow machine gun type thing, doesn't he? Which is... Mm-hmm which I don't think um, Van Helsing can actually shoot uh, or aim because uh, this is a magnificent um, set piece at the beginning of the film. So what do you remember? Not now, Carl. There must be something. I remember fighting the Romans at Masada. That was in 73 AD. You asked. What are we doing here? Why is it so important to kill this Dracula anyway? Because he's the son of the devil. I mean, besides that. Because if we kill him, anything bitten by him or created by him will also die. I mean, besides that. Welcome to Transylvania. Is it always like this? Pretty much. You, turn around. Let me see your faces. Why? Because we don't trust strangers. Strangers don't last long here. Five foot seven by two foot. Gentlemen, you will now be disarmed. You can try. You refuse to obey our laws? The laws of men mean little to me. Fine. Kill them. <gasps> I need to help you. I don't need any help. Really? Yeah, when they actually go to, go to Transylvania, where uh, Van Helsing has to do the deed of, of, of getting uh, Count Dracula, or holding him to account, um, there's that big uh, CGI fest with the... With the vampire vampiresses attacking oh, the brides the brides that's right and uh, that that seems good it stands out I remember that being quite exciting and it still is it's got very good action beats but he's he fires this um that machine gun thing doesn't he yeah, it's, a, it's a it's like an automatic uh, crossbow something like that yeah, yeah. And it's, and uh, it's, just it. <laughs> it's very hit and miss mostly miss yeah. mostly miss <laughs> otherwise where would the rest of what would the rest of the movie have to do well, the thing is, is they, they throw so many monsters at this film. When you think there isn't anything else for it, for it to do or anywhere else for it to go, other elements or other characters or other kind of tropes seep in, don't they, or, or take, oh, take yeah. their place. Um, Absolutely. And now I would be remiss if I didn't mention uh, Kate Beckinsale's character, uh, Anna Valer- Valerius, yeah, yeah. Pennsylvania name, and how... Uh, I mean, I did rewatch this film and, and her as a character is extremely uh, problematic. Not only is she, you know, she's hypersexualized in this super tight corset and like high heels running mm-hmm. through fighting monsters. Mm. Um, <laughs> but uh, there's a lot of sort of sexual innuendo between her and Van Helsing. And yeah. uh, she's definitely the poor thing she's, used terribly uh, throughout the entire film as a plot device. So the two things that did stick out in terms of her that I wrote down was the, the very first shot we get of Kate is, is a bottom shot. Um, <laughs> is a panning up, like a very, in a Michael Bay yeah. type way. Uh, yeah. and, then, and there's a bit where, um, to add on what you're saying about the sexualization of that character is when she's having a, a wrestle or a, a little fight is or is in a fight around Van Helsing and she accidentally jumps on him and uh, she straddles him. And there's that yes. look, that look between yeah. the two of them is just to say, well, you know, how do we end up here? This is, you know, yeah. foresight. <laughs> that's their, um, that's their uh, meet cute moment. That's the, <laughs> the moment they've, they've, they first sort of meet and she falls on top of him, in, yeah. you know, the first few minutes and, Oh, whoops, sorry. My thighs are around you. <laughs> yes. oh, that's awkward. <laughs> Should we get together? Okay. <laughs> It's of its time. I mean, we're saying this is only 2004, but it's, it's a, it, it, things have changed. I don't know if things have changed it's enough. Nice. Things have changed. I, yeah. I, I think things are changing. I think if this exact same movie was released today, I think a lot more people would have a lot more things to say about mm. poor Kate Beckinsale and how she's, uh, she's treated in this movie, and I don't think that they would uh, they'd stand for that. So. No, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, eye, a lot of um, 
lots of eye rolling moments, isn't there? When you sort of, when the, when the dialogue clungs together and clangs together, it's, it's like, Oh my goodness, they went there. <laughs> yeah. Well, as, of course the, the little friar sidekick character as well. He also has a little uh, sexual moment that I don't think would fly in today's uh, society when he, saves this woman from getting carried off by a vampire and in return he essentially <laughs> asks her she says what can i do for you you saved my life and he whispers something in your ear cut to the morning after oh my god <laughs> something's happened i know what? it's horrible i laugh at it and then and then i stop myself <laughs> oh i really i really shouldn't it's not funny it's very problematic uh, it's, it's not but i, I still think- have <laughs> I think you have to see it for what it is, and you know, in, in, we can look back at these things and say, "Look, this this is of its time. It's a bad time." <laughs> and, but you know, you think you can let a lot of things s- slide in some way with with the passing of time, as you say, mm-hmm. as long as we're not doing it now. Uh, that's the main thing, isn't it? I guess. <laughs> yes. Um, so the, one of his best lines is uh, when he comes into the room after there's been sort of like a, a the first kind of werewolf attack. He says, "Why does it smell of wet dog in here?" Which I thought. Oh yes, <laughs> I love that moment. I had to oh write my that gosh. down. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> um, but so there's a couple of things I wanted to mention because there's a as to, right back at the beginning of the film. Actually, we're jumping around in terms of the plot, but it doesn't really matter, I guess. Um, you meet. I think, I think the movie does that itself, jumping around in, with the plot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the one of the, the other one of the good scenes. Our first introduction to Hugh Jackman as Van Helsing is when he's um, after Doctor Jackal or, or Mister Hyde when he's in. Is it Notre Dame? He's around. The, he's he's in France or Paris, and mm-hmm. I hadn't realised until I looked at the 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 cast list that it was Robbie Coltrane that did the the voice of uh, Doctor Jackal. <laughs> You're a big one. You'll be hard to digest. I'd hate to be such a nuisance. (laughs) I missed you in London. (laughs) No, you bloody did not. You got me good. Dr. Jekyll, you are wanted by the Knights of the Holy Order. It's Mr. Hyde now. For the murder of 12 yeah. men, 6 women, 4 children, 3 dogs, and a rather nasty massacre of poultry. Oh, so, you're the great Van Helsing. You're a deranged psychopath. We all have our little problems. Ah, yes, that's right. Or I, Mr. Hyde, rather. I, yeah, <laughs> I think I forgot that. Yeah. Well, he's obviously got lots of effects on his voice and everything, but a very rich Scottish accent. He's, but that whole uh, that's, that fight sequence is actually very good as well. Very CGI heavy, but not horrific. Um, considering you know, what we can do with CGI and stuff and like mocap and things like that nowadays, it's aged pretty well. I think the fight... The fight scenes are all very dynamic. I, so that one you're talking about, they're in the bell tower and mm. the bell kind of gets knocked off the the roof and then, uh, you know, Hugh Jackman kind of climbs inside it and gets knocked around and the camera's kind of spinning here around and everywhere. Yeah, I think the, the, fight, the fight scenes are all done really well. In fact, the camera movements, there are quite a few really glorious like camera movements throughout the film a little bit later on when we're introduced to Dracula and the brides back at his lair and the camera's kind of goes up the wall as he Dracula's walking along and then he goes up the wall and the camera just kind of spins on this angle and follows him up the wall and to the roof and um, the brides are there on the roof like bats hanging down with their beautiful long uh, dresses hanging down around them it's pretty cool Um, but they are so hammy aren't they Yeah, with their thick sort of the Eastern European forced accents. And, very uh, very dramatic. Very dramatic, lots of wailing and arms flailing and, <laughs> and crying and it's so melodramatic. That's, that was the soapy sort of thing that I mentioned before. It feels yeah. almost from a soap opera, but I kind of love it. <laughs> but Dracula, the guy who plays Dracula, um, quite, a, quite a famous actor, Richard Roxburgh. How long has it been? Three, four hundred years? You don't remember, do you? Exactly what is it I should be remembering? You are the great Van Helsing, trained by monks and mullahs from 
Tibet to Istanbul. Protected by Rome herself. But, like me, hunted by all others. The Knights of the Holy Order know all about you. It's not a surprise you would know about me. Oh, yes, but it's much more than this. <laughs> we have such history, you and I, Gabriel. Have you ever wondered why you have such horrible nightmares? Horrific scenes of ancient battles past. How do you know me? Would you like me to refresh your memory a little? <clears throat> a few details from your sordid past. Perhaps that is a conversation for another time. Allow me to reintroduce myself. I am Count Vladislaus Dragulia. Born 1422. Another Australian, yeah. So yeah. that's Hugh Jackman, Richard Roxburgh, David Wenham. They're all Aussies. Was this filmed in Australia? Um, no, it wasn't. <laughs> I don't think so. so. Because um, is it like a, from a sort of Australian like a picture house or anything? Because it, it's odd. That... I know it's odd, isn't it? No, I don't think so. Uh, we did. I really don't. I don't think it is, but we did a film recently where um, we noticed, uh, I think it was Gods of Egypt, um, where that's got a real, a real, another heavy Australian cast. And it looked as if what they had actually done is maybe filmed this, this movie on the back of, or at the same time, or in, in sort of parallel with one of the parts of the Caribbean movies, which was shot a lot in Australia and shared a lot of the same cast. Yeah, if, right. and it, that was an Australian director, uh, Gods of Egypt. Yes. Ah, well, there you go. Yes, the um, I forget his name, but the one who, who despises despises all critics uh, for what they. Uh, yeah, uh, Alex <laughs> Pariah. Pariah. Yes, that's the one. Yeah, Pariah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and now, um, Gods of Egypt. Segue into Gods of Egypt. So, by all accounts of everything that I said, have said thus far, that I love about Van Helsing, that hmm. should be applicable to Gods of Egypt. You know, it's a a period film is the fantasy. It takes that historical sort of element and then gods of Egypt, you know, set in Egypt with all the gods and all that CGI heavy. Yeah. I hated gods of Egypt. Hate it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Couldn't stand it. <laughs> no, there's, there's the, the, the thing that diff, I think the big difference between these two movies and there's, yes, you say there's so much to compare they're, they're very comparable, but I think this one is quite knowing, I, I believe, whether they intended it or not, as that's just contradicting myself there in terms of how that sounds. But this does seem, definitely seem to be an intention to make this a little bit tongue-in-cheek, whereas with Gods of Egypt, I think they went full on for a serious kind of plot and, and uh, a script and things like that and just didn't quite, it didn't quite work, despite, I think, his best intentions. Um, mm -hmm. Van Helsing just seems to be incredibly more knowing. I like to think so as well. I like mm. to think they knew exactly that right amount of, of action, superhero star, cheese ball blend, and they got the perfect, uh, perfect amount. In my opinion, in my humble opinion, <laughs> and you have to, yeah, you have to invest in this film as well. It's not like something you can stick on, um, you know, and enjoy for ninety minutes. This is it's quite long. It's two hours, isn't it? So it's quite a slog in terms of movie-ness. <laughs> <laughs> slog. That's one way of putting it. Yes, the one just keeps giving you pearl after pearl of, of monster. <laughs> Are we? Monster. I mean, when does one monster become too many? I mean, I know they've and they have shoehorned every monster in here. Like I said, it's Dracula, you got Frankenstein's monster, the hmm. werewolf, um, and then at the beginning they they shoved in there Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde. So hmm. They're all there. And those little crazy uh, gremlin-y type, well, baby vampires that get released from the egg sacs, which is I can't fathom how that works, but. <laughs> That's right, because Dracula's plan is to birth his children into the world. Yes, and they're little baby, creepy gremlin vampires. Which all explode when there's not enough power or something. Is that right? 
<laughs> Wait, didn't you just watch this? Did you not pay attention to every single <laughs> tiny little detail? <laughs> I, was, I was thinking to myself, there's electricity involved. Uh, Frankenstein's monster is involved because it, it, he's a conduit for this special magic stuff. <laughs> yes, because he, was, he is the key to the life because yeah. Dr. Frankenstein, yes, made the monster and he's got that special power to yeah. bring life and that's why dracula needs him so he, all these children will live uh, it's, it's very simple really of course of course <laughs> well, i must have to i'm gonna have to go back and rewatch it now just like so i can make better notes <laughs> uh actually you know what this is one of those movies that it's even more fun to talk about almost than it is to watch, you know, yeah, <laughs> it's fun exactly. to kind of get into it. Yeah. <laughs> did, um, what did you think of Anna Valerius's death scene or the fact that she dies is, is a travesty really. It's not fair, is it? It's really not fair. Uh, yeah. So got, you know, poor Anna Valerius, Kate Beckinsale, who gets used as a plot device and, um, First, she's, you know, she's super sentimental over her brother and, you know, very, like, womanly and Van Helsing has to tell her to get over it. You know, brother's a werewolf now, so let's move on, let's kill him. And then Dracula tries to make her uh, his bride and then, you know, she falls for Van Helsing and then she dies for Van Helsing. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah do, oh, the fact that she dies, look, I hate it for her character uh, because she got to really do not, a lot, uh, but it kind of fits the film because then Van Helsing can go on. And he can do go a... on without any, with, a, with his conscious clean. <laughs> well, kind of, yeah. They, they give him, they let him off at the end because he kills her accidentally as the, because he, he gets bitten by the werewolf, does he? So he does turn yes. into a werewolf, um, which is quite good special effects as well. And it's quite a nice little twist to the end of the tale, but he accidentally pushes her against the sofa uh, too hard. <laughs> Ooh, that doesn't sound very good. No, ultimately it kills her. They can't save her, but she ends up um, in the funeral pyre, doesn't she? And she mm -hmm. then is seen as a, like a force ghost <laughs> uh, or like a Lion King-esque Mustafa type thing. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> and she's smiling down with a little tear uh, and she's reunited with her now dead brother and her dead father. So the last of their, of the Valerius kind of clan, isn't it? And, um, yeah. Yeah. but then, so <laughs> Van Helsing goes from a tear, to, he gives a little wry smile and say, oh, everything's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. She's like, then, we cool now. We cool? We cool. <laughs> and then just rides off into the sunset with a little Carl in tow. It would have been yeah. not, wouldn't it be better to, for her to live uh, or to, uh, find, find a way for her to survive and then for the three of them to go off to do more adventures in a, in a, in a sequel? Or she could have survived and stayed and ruled her own little kingdom and sent Van Helsing on her way and then she could be the star of Van Helsing too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that would work even better. Because that would have worked. She's very much shortchanged. Um, and I think... She sure is. Another thing that just will we'll sort of cap it here, but what I was thinking as well is if they hadn't thrown all their eggs in, into one basket and were a bit more knowing in terms of like the, the, the kitschness of this movie, um, they, they would have had quite, I think, quite a healthy franchise. Yeah, I agree. This really did set itself up to, you know, have a, have a sequel the way that they do have that ending, you know, with him riding off into the sunset, you know, onto another adventure, mm. having left... The, this entire story behind him, including his lady, who's dead. <laughs> but it, you know, it sort of did very much feel like there was another one that could have happened. And uh, yeah, why did that never happen? Well, I think if they had, I'm going to repitch this movie. Okay, so if they had kept Dracula as a background presence and kept him for the third movie, we could have had. Um, you know, Frankenstein, we could have dealt with Frankenstein monsters in the first one. We could have dealt with werewolves in the second and had a bit more family story or the backstory of the Valerius uh, story. And then we could have had the big crescendo, you know, um, gremlin, exploding gremlins in the third movie. And you would have had all that, those elements coming together, a bit like Avengers assemble, uh, but monsters <laughs> assemble. Or at the end, of, of film three would have been a nice epic, big mashup with every, all the characters from the first two films joining forces to defeat uh, Dracula. So they've missed it there. They've missed it too. They've missed a huge opportunity. I think they've tried to redo it now uh, with this 
the Mummy reboot from last year starring Tom Cruise, which was shockingly abysmal and such a failure. And that seemed to want to set up that whole Universal's Monsters thing again. But uh, I don't know how that's going to go. I don't think it, I think they've, from what I've read or what I can gather, they've dropped it, haven't they? Because they were even doing press shots um, for that whole kind of franchise with Tom Cruise and uh, what's his name? That very famous actor, Australian actor. <laughs> Russell Crowe. Russell, goodness me, I'm rubbish Lots today. Lots of today. We're talking about <laughs> <laughs> yes, funny that. Uh, Russell Crowe and others, uh, which I can't remember, but they all did this like, really nice little kind of universal photo shoot. Um, and it was Wolfman was going to be included and all the other gang. Um, but yeah, I think because of The Mummy doing so badly, it, um, it got binned off, didn't it? Ah, oh, okay. I actually hadn't heard the update or the outcome of, of all of that, but yeah, I. I'd yeah. be surprised. They'll give up if, if, as long as Tom Cruise is attached. I can't imagine they'll give up too easily. They might try and, um, you know, dust him off for one more and squeeze one more out of him. But, uh, <laughs> I have to watch this space for yeah. uh, more movie mashups. One of the best wolf werewolf movies I still uh, remember is The Wolfman uh, with Benicio del Toro as the lead. <laughs> I haven't seen that one. <laughs> it's yeah. it's very good. It's um and they do a lot of the the like the body horror and the transformation stuff really really well. And uh, I think critically it did quite well as well. And he's a great actor and he, he really carries the kind of broodiness of the role really well. Um, but for whatever reason that that franchise or whether it was a franchise or whether that was the start of this kind of big um, universal. A franchise for, to use that word again didn't didn't work or it didn't didn't he didn't do a follow-up um but yeah it's got some great actors in it and a, a really good i recommend that if you want to watch if you're into this sort of um fantastical world then that's a really good shout to watch that one if you have time oh well benicio del toro is like amazing i would i would watch him in anything and so uh yeah wolfman i'm definitely gonna watch that <laughs> Is there anything that we can do to maybe salvage this movie? Are we going to say this is in the bunker forevermore or are we going to offer this up to the overlords and say, look, you know, are you prepared to unleash this out? <laughs> Which is the, the good option. If, if it's in the bunker, is it safe forever? Well, this is, um, this has never been really fleshed out, you know. I, I kind of <laughs> Let's quite... flesh this out. I need, I need some parameters here. <laughs> Well, my idea is that the, the, the critically panned movies are in the vaults that obviously I work in and me and Matthew every day get, you know, get a script that comes down in a tube that says, right, you've got to go to this, this area here. <laughs> this, this, is, this is long-winded, sorry. Go to this aisle here, pick off that DVD or that uh, video, watch it, review it, get thoughts from it. And if it, if it works and it deserves another chance, then you send it back up the chute and it goes on the DVD shelves of the general public. Oh, gosh, that's great. It's convoluted, okay. isn't it? Isn't it? Oh, I love it. <laughs> I've spent too oh, much time. <laughs> um, okay. Look, I think, I think, look, I know Van Helsing deserves another chance and deserves to be back on the shelves up there with the, with the other movies, but I don't know if the world is ready for it. Okay. Maybe we'll just keep it amongst ourselves for a little while longer. Okay. So for the ones that know how good this is or have a fondness for this, we'll secretly know, but they'll just yes. know, okay? And yes. the, rest of the, the rest of the people, they could just go about their business on, you know, and say, oh, they should do a Van Helsing movie. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, so, so we'll know, a little, little winky wink to the, to the audience, you know. We know. We know it's there. That, that break the fourth wall. Um, <laughs> Adele, thank you ever so much for joining me tonight to talk about this magnificent film, uh, Van Helsing. It's been so much fun. Um, so, thank you. Thank you. Uh, well, you know what? I've, I've never been able to talk about this film with anyone before, so I'm just so oh, pleased. Good. Well, good. I'm glad, we're glad we've had that experience. And now well, I think I might have to cleanse myself by watching, I don't know, Us or something Dumbo or something decent. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so, but where can we find you online and your uh, YouTube channel? Uh, yes, please come visit me on YouTube. Uh, you can search Roll Credits to find me on YouTube. Uh, otherwise, you can visit my website. It's www.rollcredits, all one word, .net. And I'll see you there. Fantastic. Thanks again, Adele. And thanks for your time. And take care. Thank you.
Bye. The Movie Bunker podcast is sponsored by Unity Brewing Co. Unity is a brewery committed to making flavorful, sophisticated, and innovative beer. Their brewing methods combine traditional and modern techniques with a focus on elevating humble ingredients, always unfiltered and unpasteurized. Their beers are natural, flavorful, and vegan friendly. Unity is a six barrel brewery based in Southampton in the UK, and they're proud to be one of the growing number of breweries in the city and play a part in Southampton's booming craft beer scene. They have three beer tiers that that's core, limited and seasonal. And you can check all these out on their online shop. So visit unitybrewingco.com, have a look and place an order. That's unitybrewingco.com. Good chat. Yeah, great. I mean, yeah. I mean, what a film. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. So as well as the interviews, as anyone listens to our regular podcast, um, top five challenges, top five challenges. So yeah, I, th- I my challenge to you is to find some nostalgic cartoons that could be made into films. Yeah. Basically. You, uh, this was good, wasn't it? This is, you, you wanted to do that. Usually when we, when we record, you, we do it on the fly sometimes, don't we? Well, we on the fly, yeah. And uh, I think we were stumped a little bit and I thought, this is what I'm going to have in my back pocket. Uh, on the off chance, Matthew can't think of a top five for me because <laughs> I would love to do this. And as it happens, I gave it away because I'm, I'm a giving kind of person. I, like I gave you this fantastic challenge because I think it's right brilliant. Because I love, I love re-watching intros and listening to theme tunes to like early 80s or there, 90s there cartoons great cartoon I mean not to say there aren't now I mean these days are they're also amazing it's too many <laughs> and we're too old to watch them yeah kind of yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean love death and robots I don't know if that would make um, no no Saturday morning TV <laughs> interesting enough with love death and robots yeah is, I can't find any reviews for that series anywhere like any any podcasts about it any kind of you know twitter chat about it oh really i mean there's loads of twitter about it if you just you know use the hashtag but yeah you'd think that there's a lot i mean there's a lot of tv blogs and stuff like that and yeah. i can't read any reviews about what people think so i don't really know how i feel about it still <laughs> I mean, this is an off-topic chat but yeah so, anyway yeah I the think, t- I think, no, well, I'm, I'm sticking with the um so from an anime fan it it really harks back to those yeah. sort of like Legend of the Overfiendy. I mean, they are not PC correct. But no. They are interesting and visually vibrant. Yeah. Have you seen them all? Uh, not all, but most. I couldn't stop watching them. And once I had no. started it, it was, they were on. I think I maybe skipped the last two and watched them the next Do, day. I had a chat. You know the one where um, there's more sex time in this one, but the deep space sleep and he wakes up. and Yes. Then, is that fully CG or is that... That's cause, fully CG. Because that face is amazing. Yeah. The one I didn't think was quite... The C- inflection on it was just... And the eyes. They didn't... She didn't have dead fish eyes, which... No, no. They are the, the, you know, Uncanny Valley kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, no. They, it's amazing. Uh, it's no, incredible. Uh, the, the, the one I thought maybe was a bit of both live action and cartoon was the one with the, 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 the aircraft that was lucky or unlucky and the pilot kept doing the same run all the time on that and that she was an actress that's been in a film uh, well, one of them was definitely rotoscope though yeah yeah, yeah. second or third one but yeah, it was interesting I weird, uh, circular murder that was that was cool but it was borderline porn um that's that was my biggest problem about it i mean i think it was it was just a little bit um too lurid yeah interesting story and it was amazing to there was no need for to have the amount of nudity they had in the whole series there was i found it a little bit sort of you know yeah (laughs) but anyway uh, so the the, the one that's what we have to do on this podcast is quickly sneak in (laughs) sneak in a review (laughs) yeah maybe we'll get sent to the next um i don't know viewing viewings oh they won't let us the overlords hate us as soon as we get clickbaited on top five then we're out anyway number five i've gone with brave star oof Straight away, you know, the good ones. Brave Star? Brave Star? <laughs> um, yeah, Speed of the Puma. Yeah, check. Of the Bear. Check. 
Eyes of the Hawk. Check. Speed of the Puma. <laughs> Again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did, you, did I start with Yeah. What did I have? Ears of the Wolf. Ears of the Wolf. hung up on the Puma. Wow, what a great one. What, what, what's, what attracted you to this one? This is um, why. <laughs> again, I think it's just the fact that we can do this now. Yeah, yeah. You can make this absolutely seamless and it's got everything you need there. Space. Yeah. CGI elements. Yeah. A good character. Mm-hmm. You know, no whitewashing. No. Nope. I want a proper yeah. Native American mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in this. Yeah, it'd just be fantastic. What's the name of the the, the, the horse? 2020, isn't it? 2020. And what's the name of 2020's gun? I can't remember. Sarah Jane. Sarah Jane. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got the little uh, prairie dog guy. Hey, prairie star. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got uh, Tex Hex, which is Tex the baddie. Is the bad and there's some proper bad guy. He was quite bad looking, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah, I love that cartoon. And yeah, you're right. I think it's a He Man kind of. Th- premise in terms of like but more interesting yeah yeah I mean it's set on a dusty planet and there's all that kind of dystopian type stuff about it so you've got organic and machine yeah. mashed together yeah, um, it's, uh, uh, um big fan of Firefly Serenity and that, that when I watched Firefly Serenity it weirdly reminded me of Brave Star because it had that mashup of like proper Wild West type things they had like yeah. family settlers Wagon trains, but spaceships. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. And just to have that again is... It, it just, well, that's a good thing about a Western. A Western can be set any at any kind of time, at any kind of uh, you know, pioneers, setting. Just pioneers, isn't it? Grand yeah, thing. great choice. I didn't think that was one you would go for, but now, now you've said it. Yeah, that was a fantastic one. Then that's number five. That's number five. Jesus Christ. I'm going to have you, a moment. You might need a hanky. Right, so number four. Thundercats. Jesus, hang on a second. How? Tell me. Oh, oh. <laughs> I love this. Oh. I love this already. Tell, for, tell me about it. Why? So, why not? <laughs> yeah. Well, this hasn't they been talking about this for years? Thundercats have been, and I, I've seen fake posters. Yeah. And all sorts for this, and Brad Pitt as Lino and oh, stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, now. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just such a great again. It's just a good story about hmm. uh, the evil. They could do the whole bring it to Earth thing, so it's kind of a looseness to that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but you got like um, Mumra, the ever living, a big bad. And the great thing about it is he's got like two levels of bad. Yes. So he's just like, and then he becomes the ever living Mumra. Mumra. Yeah. What's his in the- ancient spirits of evil <laughs> transform this decaying form to Mumra, the ever living? <laughs> 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 Something that would get me as a child, like, yeah. I just enjoyed it. No, I think it was Mumra as as the mummy, and Mumra as like this big, yeah, bad, living, beasty yeah, kind of thing. He's um, fantastic, very scary villain, yeah. And um, Schnark, Schnarf, 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 you know. And you got Wily Cat and Wily Kit, uh, so something for the for I the kids, too, actually. Yeah, who was your favorite? What Thundercat, Puma, who Panther. <laughs> Stuck up on I, do you know who I feel like I am now? You know, we watched the, the Office, and you got the IT the IT guy, and he's like, "Have you seen uh, Way of the Dragon?" No, you haven't, because that was so and so. Puma, uh, sorry, who's Puma? Who's Puma? You must mean Panthro. 
Panthro. <laughs> Panthro was, was badass. He, he was, was badass. so cool. Yeah, nunchucks. Yeah, yeah. Nunchuck people are always my favourite people. Anyone with nunchucks. But not just nunchucks with little panthery heads yeah. on the ends of them. What's the panther house with little panther house? Yeah, and he had, uh, he had the panther buggy, whatever it was, the panther yeah, car. Yeah, he was the mechanic guy. Yeah, you can make anything. And uh, you got... Um, oh, I had a crush on Chitara. That's weird. I've got to say... Wow, she was fast and uh, oh, athletic. What the fuck? <laughs> fast and athletic. That's and that's um, what drew you to the... It's not... Of, it's, not un- it's not uncommon for people to have a little bit of a crush on cartoon characters. It's a thing. <laughs> she can bits. Self grooming is important. Um, so yeah, no. Uh, well, off love. <laughs> did you think? Did you go as? Did you go as far as casting? Did you go as far as casting, or did you just? Was it too much for you? You kind of spent after you realised. Like, Thundercats. I'm oh, done. Oh, Pencil oh, down. <laughs> Pencil <laughs> down. <laughs> I am done. <laughs> scene <laughs> uh, no no it's uh, too hard no I, I, uh, yeah no it's gonna I, I'd like a bunch of unknowns for this because um, it helps I think with these because a lot of the time sometimes you get hung up with who's that mm. oh, what have I seen him in that before or, oh yeah, no, yeah. I, I like that well, person in that. I've got another question for you. Would you do this fully animated, like a like a proper CGI no, uh, no. avatar type affair? No, no, it'd be... Live actors, live actors. made up with yeah. makeup. Prosthetics or enhanced? Like battle, an- battle angel type thing. Yeah. Mocap. Yeah. Fucking I like yeah. the look of that. So like the Radio Player 1 type... Yeah, yeah, yeah. ...and stuff, that way you've got the eye pathos. Yeah, you know, always got that problem. With Chitaro staring deep into your eyes. But the know. thing is, is, it worked with... I mean, it didn't work, I guess, very well, but Transformers made the leap yes. and it's now a massive franchise. It's bad. I think, obviously, it's getting better but uh, with the Bumblebee thing, but only because it's gone back to like the nostalgia of the 80s, which is what everyone yeah, wants. Yeah, yeah. But... Um, this, this I is, don't think you need nostalgia with this cake. It's it's full on. Yeah, but you've got a you've got a trilogy, haven't you? Basically, you've got a story arc. That could, you want to run them? Yeah. Okay, I'll give you. Let's green light that one. Can't get any better than that. Number three. Centurions. Jesus Christ. <laughs> In the near future, Doc Terror and his cyborg companion hacker unleash their forces to conquer Earth. Only one force can stop this evil, a handful of brave men. In specially created exoframes, they can be transported anywhere to fuse with incredible assault weapon systems, beam down from the space station Skyvault, becoming man and machine, power extreme. Max Ray, brilliant sea operations commander. Jake Rockwell, rugged land operation specialist. Ace McLeod, daring air operations expert. Whatever the challenge, they are ready. The Centurions. Centurions. This is a little bit more obscure, isn't it? This this was uh, yeah. I had to uh, relook this up because I, I remember the cartoon probably not as detailed as you from this conversation we've had. I was <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I just used to love this fucking cartoon and um, especially your journey through the cartoon because so to explain, you had these three guys. You probably remember their names. No, I don't remember their names. Unfortunately, no names. Actually, I can probably say because I did. Basically, no. Um, so yeah, you basically have a water guy, yeah. an air guy, yeah. and a land guy, yeah. and they were battling the forces of evil. Mm-hmm. And to help them on their way, they would have these special suits. But the suits themselves weren't particularly special; they just had little bolts on them. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they would go power extreme, shoot, and then would attachments would form onto them to, uh, and they'd have different names. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you'd have all the Doombots. So you had Max Ray, yeah. Sea Operations Commander. One of his things was called Cruiser. So, so yeah, so Cruiser, Total Blast, Death Charger and Sea Bat were his four costumes. Yeah, yeah. That would attach and do different things. Yeah. And, like, 
As you can see, there's the Jake Rockwell Rugged Land Operations Fire Force Wild Weasel. I remember that one. That was awesome. That was just like, yeah, like a bike. Detonator Hornet Swingshot, Ace McLeod, Skynet, Orbital Interceptor Skybolt, Strato Strike. They sound awesome, What's don't that? they? I didn't even see that. I don't know. Rex Charges, extra guys. Extended team. Fuck me. John Thunder. What so, a great name. Yeah, so then they basically become like a little submarine or a, a land truck thing with these things attached to them. So for the first few episodes, you'd watch this and every time there'd be a new one. So you'd see like eight episodes of this before you'd seen half of the fucking things they could turn into. Yeah, yeah. So it had, it had legs, didn't it? Because obviously it's a bit like Mask um, where they would... Mask was nearly on the list. Because oh, that had... The more... The longer the series went on, the more characters they'd introduce, more baddies yeah. and goodies, and you just get, you just hooked. I guess it's sort of like get you to buy the toys because I had, I had one of these guys. I think I had the water guy, um, uh, and yeah, he would have bits that you would stick on him. A bit like um, it's kind of a little bit like Iron Man in terms of you know in the latest ones where he calls yeah. for Veronica and he gets an extension to yes. the suit and stuff like yes. that. And yeah, and he would you know make the shape of a car and uh, wheels would come on him and he would you know yeah, yeah but um really awesome and they looked really i mean and it's a bit cheesy because um i guess it was very american in terms of uh the yeah. the, the, the the way that the the, the the main characters were portrayed and they were you know chisel drawed uh real yeah. all-american kind of guys so, and i think for casting for this one hmm. go the comedy action room yeah but yeah. the rock yeah. and John Cena yeah yeah that would work that would work yeah yeah definitely a lot of muscle on screen yeah yeah number two though let's go on number, number two, two um, I realised I'd been a bit um, action heavy yeah so yeah so far, but so good in a good way remember something um, I went with the raccoons yes this is the evergreen forest quiet peaceful serene that is until Bert Raccoon wakes up. <laughs> Luckily, he has some good friends to help him out. Life would be simple in the forest except for... Cyril Sneer. And his life would be simple except for the raccoons. Especially now, because <laughs> it had um, a very environmental story. Yeah, it was a good message. Um, it had a, a strong, bold message. Cyril Snare. Cyril Snare, yeah, who would do anything for a quick buck and was always looking to pollute. It's Trump, wasn't he, basically? It's basically Trump. <laughs> but, and the so, raccoons would uh, thwart him at every turn with uh, their wild. Hey! I'm a raccoon! <laughs> <laughs> and, um, I'm just going to do voices at you. His son. Um, Cedric, 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 and um, occasionally they'd have these beautiful moments of pathos between Cyril and Cedric, where Cedric was trying to stop his dad being a massive c- <laughs> <laughs> bird song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I know what you mean. You always thought, ah, oh, does he love his son? And, yeah. Yeah. and I think the, the, the thing that came out of the cartoon is that he ever did. He loved, he loved his son just slightly more than he loved his money because he'd never really want to let his son down. Yeah, um, but this would have to be like Smurfs kind of mocap, maybe a mixture of humans and um, CGI elements, because they were such a distinctive. Yeah, there were no humans in this at all. Or no. Basically, the humans didn't exist. This is animals. Yeah, Cyril Schneer was the human. Yes, I guess so. What was he? An anteater? Uh, was he an anteater type thing? Schneer. I don't know what the fuck that was. He had like a snouty nose, like a trunk type thing, didn't he? Yeah. I think they were. I think he was an aardvark or a um, or an anteater. It's pink though. Yeah, I know. It's weird, <laughs> isn't it? And he had like three pigs, didn't he? That was helping. Hey, sure. Yes. Yeah, like three pigs that were just like henchmen, but they didn't really do. But much. they were rubbish. Mm-hmm. That's obviously all henchmen are. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. No, that's I like that one. I think it would work. Well, it would be a challenge for a, for a film, but it would, be, as you say, to bring it up to date. Yeah, you just got a good bold message there. You could even do that thing where they where they did the Smurfs and a few other kinds, where they kind of cross that line, they break out 
from you know celluloid into the yeah. R world and realised that we fucked ours up too. Um, maybe worse. Deep man, deep. So. so that's number two. That's number two. Number one. Number one. Children of the sun, someday soon you will become like your destiny. Holds the secret, holds the <laughs> Someday you will find the cities of gold. <laughs> I went as high as you. A cities of gold. <laughs> the mysterious city. cities of gold. Did you ever finish this no. series? <laughs> That's why I wanted to make it into a film. I don't know what the fuck it is. What a long film. Um, there was aliens in this. Did you ever see the ones with the aliens in it? There was the pink alien so guys. There was to unpick in this thing. It was kind of, it was manga, wasn't it? It was an anime yeah, um, yeah. title. And it had these, these three, um, so the, the plot synopsis, there was three children brought together from different backgrounds there were certain uh, the mysterious cities of gold in a giant golden condor um, ship I don't know what it did thing. I remember when the first sometimes time sometimes it did special shit and blew stuff up yeah because it would have the energy of the sun yeah yeah mm. when you, you don't see it straight away you get that kind of like halfway through you have to wait for the condor yeah, ages because you see it in the opening credits and you're thinking what that's cool, but you don't actually get it. Not for ages. <laughs> I remember the first time I saw the, the condor, I was like, yes, yes. <laughs> My special purpose. So yeah, it ran for a long time. When we talked about this, maybe when we talked about Masters of the Universe and we talked about how many episodes 39. you would get. 39 episodes. Like you say, it's ages. It's probably one that's called... I found a fucking golden condor. <laughs> Secrets of the Solaris and New Continent. Um, yeah, it ran. It, it felt like it was. It ran for for ages. But this is something we referred to before. You used to have once a week. Yes. And if you missed it, that was it. Yeah. You're yeah. fucked. Yeah, you wouldn't. You, you, there's no catch up. You'd have to go. Did you see? What? Did, did they find the condor? Um, they were about 20 minutes long, maybe, as well. They were longish episodes. They weren't like like a 10-minute, 15-minute cartoon. It was. This would be a just one standalone no, film. No, it's going to have to be at least a trilogy. A trilogy, yeah, with a real big at payoff at the end. They would have found a condor to the second film. Yeah, yeah. Condor's got to be like at least right at the end. Like Luke Skywalker in The Force Awakens, you get a hint of him. Yeah. And then that's it, game over. What was that? It's the condor. But for what? No. No, been on the poster since fucking Moon Food Because <laughs> of the Golden Condor, eighteen, episode eighteen, episode eighteen, it came in. But looks of things, Maiden Flight of the Great Condor. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I, it was very good, and I did enjoy it. And even though I maybe didn't have a, a clue what was going on it's in it, you probably missed three episodes. Yeah, because yeah. Of life. All I remember is there was. Towards right at the end, when they got to the city, there was a lot of aliens, little alien yeah. creatures in it, and that, that seemed to be a bit strange. But um, I, I never saw the end, and to this day, I have no idea how, again, how it went. I mean, like my pick of the other films that we did once. Uh, a lot of this is selfish. Just want to see the end of it. Yeah, <laughs> just want to see the end of it. Shall we fuck off the movie bunker podcast and do like? 80s, 90s cartoon nostalgia <laughs> fest. Just I, I just read I, out Wikipedia for an half an hour or I just hour. think it would ruin it for us. Yeah. The nostalgia fest would be gone for us. Nostalgia pod. Well, for, that's probably the best, one of the best top fives because I think, I, I think I would have, you could write a top 
20, couldn't you? Quite yeah, easily. There was enough. There's so much to go you, on. You could have just gone top five action. Top five. Top. You could have done top five 80s cartoon where the main character has multiple powers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was the thing, wasn't it? Uh, they went for. How many top fives can we physically do? This is something I ask myself daily. <laughs> and, um... <laughs> right. So it's, it's my turn then, Matthew. It's your turn next. Oh. Uh, you know. So we're we're scraping the barrel for ideas now, aren't we? <laughs> top fives, yeah. So my challenge to you, Chris, um, is uh, top five sequels that were never made. Brilliant. Yeah, I, this is a good one. Films that need a sequel or probably don't, but you're going to make. I mean, there are other podcasts out there that specialise in this subject, so we can knock this up in. Yeah, well, I'm going to steal that stuff and knock it up in. In one episode. Yeah. Uh, perfect. I love a top five. Um, Everyone loves a top five. Uh, yeah, yeah. Number four, blow your mind. <laughs> um, so, yeah, brilliant. I'll get straight on that. <laughs> so, as as always, thank you for listening, everyone out there in, in Podland. Again, are you drawing a giraffe? Dave. Oh, Dave from last episode. Uh, I was going to say. Thanks for listening, everybody out there in Podland. Um, join us again next week uh, for an exciting episode. I don't think we know what film we're doing still yet. It's still a mystery. Um, but yeah, get involved if you want to. Uh, Twitter is movie underscore bunker. Uh, Facebook page. We've got um, Instagram, which is what the kids do these days. And we're on YouTube as well and other stuff as well. So get involved, like, subscribe, write a review. That all helps us get listened to by everyone else in California and Alabama. <laughs> Hello to you guys and uh, see you next episode. Should I draw another massive penis? <laughs> <laughs> if you wish. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh... <laughs>